Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to The Dark Parts, a show where we explore the darkest parts of history, the world, and your mind. I'm your host, Heath, and with me as always is the lovely Queen of Scream, Daphne. <laughs> How are you doing, Daphne? I'm doing great. It's a lovely fall day outside. Thanksgiving is next week. I just started putting together our delicious vegan menu for Heath and I only because we can't see any of our family because of COVID, which I'm sure a lot of you guys are experiencing the same thing. Got to keep it safe. How are you, Heath? (laughs) I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to those leftovers. Today, we have an interesting story for you guys from one of the southern states of the United States. Louisiana. One of, is, one of my favorites, more specifically, one of the coolest cities in the U.S. of A. That's right, folks. Today we got a tale from down south, close to New Orleans in Louisiana. So let's get into today's episode. Louisiana, home to the gator wrangling, jazz playing, swamp swimming Cajun folks. A place where Bobby Boucher took the mud dogs to the championship. Captain Infano. A place called the crawfish capital of the world. And a place where you can drink in the street and show your boobs for beads. But among all these great things Louisiana has to offer, there are certainly some very unsettling mysteries as well. Today we're going to talk about a folklore creature that terrified French villagers and eventually made its way to the southern United States. So pour yourself a bowl of hot gumbo and throw on some goat whore while we discuss the Bigfoot of the Bayou and Louisiana's lichen, Rougarou. Before we can get into this creepy beast story, let's first talk a little history before the mystery. Most of us have heard about the Salem Witch Trials of 1692, but what a lot of people don't know is that 100 years prior in Europe, a different set of trials would take over the region. In 1521, a series of wolf attacks occurred in a small village in France, promoting local authorities to investigate. During their investigation, supposed evidence led them to the home of a man named Michael Verdon. Michael was interrogated and tortured until he finally confessed that he, along with two other men, Pierre Bourgeau and Philibert Monteau, were werewolves who were responsible for the attacks. Pierre Bourgeau told authorities that he made a deal with three robed figures that offered to protect his livestock, but only if he denounced his belief in God. The robed men offered him an ointment that would cause him and the others to shapeshift into werewolves, during which time they killed and ate children. All three men were executed shortly after their confessions. And from what I was reading, the authorities or the local authorities basically tortured these guys and interrogated them for hours and even days. And so at that point, they were pretty much just like, okay, 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 we were the werewolves, which they should have never done because then the authorities were like, all right, we're going to kill you. Those were some wild days, you know, like that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, we've talked about this before, but people who lived during those times were so fucking maniacal. Like, they're literally like, oh, you're a witch, gotta kill you. Oh, you're a werewolf, gotta kill you. Like, these people are fucking insane. Yeah, the laws were fucked. And then, 
I mean, even when we look at the Salem witch trials, it's absolutely absurd because if you're saying, no, I'm not a werewolf or no, I'm not a witch, like they're not going to believe you. So they're going to make you confess to something that isn't true and then they're going to kill you for it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that people just had like some sort of like hateful vengeance that they needed to take out on these people because they basically forced them into their own executions. Grateful not to live in those times. (laughs) Yeah, crazy. Years later, in 1598, a man named Jacques Roulet was accused of using a shape-shifting salve to transform himself into a bloodthirsty lycanthrope, which, for those of you who don't know what a lycan is, it's basically just another term for a werewolf. And he would also scarf down children. Jacques was dubbed the Werewolf of Cod, which is the town where the killings actually happened. And he was originally sentenced to death, but due to the fact that Jacques was mentally disabled, he was instead sent to a local insane asylum where he would receive religious education in order to save his soul. And just two years after the murders, he was released from custody. And if this doesn't give you Shyamalan village vibes, I literally don't know what else would. Ah, I love the village. Such a good movie. Yeah, that's definitely a very interesting movie. So anyway, now people all around France and parts of Germany were accusing people of lycanthropy and basically just fucking murdering them. So these werewolf trials continued over the years and started to die out in the 1700s until southern France was hit by a wave of brutal attacks. In the Gévaudan region, multiple corpses were found mutilated with their throats ripped out. The ones who were lucky enough to survive these attacks described a hairy beast the size of a horse with a terrifying and echoing roar. A local official in 1764 wrote, All who have written to me regarding the size of this animal agree that it's larger than a wolf. Some say it's a hyena, others a panther, still others a loup-cervier. This is all I know for certain about this terrible animal. And by the way, a loup-cervier is French for a type of lynx, so basically like a large cat. And this is when the term loup-garou was coined, which translates to werewolf in English. Over three years, the Beast of Gévaudan had claimed over 113 lives. The townspeople did, however, send their best trappers and hunters to try and stop the beast, and 100 wolves were killed in the process, but none of them were confirmed to be the creature. A historian believes that the beast was actually an adult male lion that had escaped from a private zoo, and due to the fact that no one in the area had ever seen a lion, they believed it to be a werewolf, which is so crazy, and I think about this all the time. Like, because of Google and movies and videos and whatever, we have access to seeing what basically every single thing on Earth looks like. But obviously, back in these days, if you had never seen it before, you didn't know what it was. Exactly. And that's probably how a lot of these um, urban legends started, because people were like, okay, I don't know what the fuck that thing is. So, I mean, is it a werewolf? I don't know. Maybe I'm just going to make up a term for whatever this thing is that I don't know what it is. Yes, I wonder how many urban legend creatures were actually just real animals that they had just never seen. That's insane. Yeah, it's really crazy to think about that. But I do get it. So the French people believed that a loup-garou was a punishment in the Catholic culture for anyone who didn't follow the rules of Lent for seven years. 
Lent is a time for fasting and abstaining in Catholicism and also other Christian religions, but parents also use this scary tale to keep their children obedient by saying that if you misbehaved, then you would be taken by the Lugaru and eaten. That's messed up. Yeah, I know. And that's another thing. Parents are like, you know, coming up with these awful tales to tell their children to keep them in line. Like, literally, the Lugaru is going to fucking eat your face off if you don't mind me. It's kind of a, kind of a morbid, morbid it's thing. It's manipulative as fuck. Yeah, it's, it's really bad. So eventually, French people began to immigrate to other parts of the world, including Canada and the United States, bringing their legends with them. In 1682, Louisiana, once called La Louisiane, became a colony of France named after the former king of France, Louis XIV, before it became a Spanish colony and finally a U.S. state in 1803 during the uh, Louisiana Purchase. Now let's talk about a specific group of people who are responsible for introducing the legend to the U.S. and keeping the story alive after all these years. Acadians were a group of French people who lived in the East Coast regions of New England and parts of Canada. Yeah, typically in the Nova Scotia area. But in 1710, the British were on a conquest to take over the region, and what is called the Great Upheaval took place. Essentially, the Acadians were kicked out of the area and forced to move south. And when they did, they landed in Louisiana, which I always wondered how they got to Louisiana. So. Damn it, those damn British. Learn something new every day. They're always taking people's lands. <laughs> These people, also known as Cajuns, eventually ceded the colony to Spain, but the governor allowed Acadians to continue to speak their language and practice their religion, which is Roman Catholicism, and basically live their lives without change. And many of the French people settled in the southeastern portion of Louisiana, which is now known as the Acadiana region. It includes 22 parishes, which in other states would be considered counties, uh, so a parish is technically like a county, and it stretches just west of New Orleans all the way to Texas. The Lugaroo also became known as the Rougarou and was more commonly used in the United States to describe the beast. So basically what happened is these French Louisianans took the term Lugaroo and they put their own kind of language spin on it and it became Rougarou. Just like the previous legend born in France, locals in Acadiana tell the tale of a vicious, flesh-eating beast, but their version explains that the Rougarou prowls the local swamps, as well as the sugarcane fields and the woodland areas, in search for its next victim. And common with its original story, people who broke the rules of Lent would be turned into a Rougarou by a witch. Oh my god, all these Lent lies. Yeah, crazy, right? Just basically there to keep you in line with your religion. The only way to break the curse is to have someone else cut you with a blade deep enough to draw blood, and in doing so, the curse would be passed on to that person, turning them into a Rougarou, and you back into a human. But upon turning back into a human, you have to give that person your name. Like, you have to state your name, and then basically you run off into the woods somewhere. So who would want to cut you and become a Rougarou themselves? It's got to be hard to convince someone to, to cut you. Well, the point is, is that I think 
some people didn't know. So if they were being attacked by a Rougarou, they would just pull out a knife and maybe try and cut or stab at the Rougarou. And if they did so, then they would take on the curse. Well, that seems like a really easy way to pass the curse on, because if you start attacking someone, they're probably going to try to fight back and drawing blood is easy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's some very strange things about this tale that we're going to get into that you're going to be like, okay, what in the F? I can't wait. So Cajun people describe the beast as having a human-like body with the head of a wolf or dog and can stand up to about eight feet tall and have blood red eyes. So very, very creepy and very reminiscent of a werewolf, but typically maybe less hairy than a werewolf since it has a human body. Cajun people believe there is a few ways to protect yourself from the swamp beast. If you wanted to protect your home from the Rougarou, you could put 13 pennies or rocks on your doorstep. Easy enough. And when the beast tries to enter your home, it will become confused and try to count the items, which is so stupid. (laughs) I know. This is what I'm talking about. This is the weird shit that I'm talking about. So apparently the beast doesn't know the number 13. So it'll continue to count the items over and over again until eventually the sun will come up and it will retreat back into the swamps. So basically the Rougarou is a dumb shit. Yeah. And another way to stay safe, even though that was super easy, is to put a colander on your doorstep. Okay, even easier. The creature will try to count the holes in it, but again, it can only count to 12. So this will keep it distracted. And lastly, you have to follow the rules of Lent and you won't be cursed by a witch. So this is all just a religious scam. That's what I think. Yeah. I mean, The story does have origins in France, and I'm sure that 113 people did die in that town, and there was, you know, some sort of weird animal running around fucking killing humans, but they really, really took it upon themselves to exaggerate the details of what's going on here. But this this actually is really reminiscent of The Village because, well, shit, if you haven't seen The Village, it's a spoiler, I won't say it, but this, I mean, you know, This is reminiscent. If you know, you know. Yeah, it definitely is. But I mean, who doesn't love a good scary story? So keep it up. Absolutely. And for the people who actually believe this story, I mean, no, uh, no judgment. Honestly, if you really believe the Rougarou exists, I don't live in that area. So how would I know? He may be real. Who knows? I I always like to believe in that stuff until, you know, uh, real until proven fake. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Let's take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Guys, we have to tell you about a super awesome new game that's perfect for a night in this holiday season. Masters of Mystery presents the ultimate murder mystery games that you can host yourself at the venue of your choice or virtually via video call with your friends, family, or colleagues. Host a 1920s Gatsby-themed murder mystery dinner party. The year is 1923. A shot is fired at Jay Glitzerby's New York mansion, and a guest is dead. The Bouncing Barnacle, a pirate ship that is just docked in Santa Tortuga. While enjoying drinks at the local tavern, a murder is discovered, and a treasure map goes missing. Who can crack the mystery? Attend a grand feast at the Toadwort School of Magic and Mayhem to solve which witch or wizard stole the philosopher's scone. Or solve a murder in the Wild West. The time is high noon, and the deputy drink water has been shot dead. Who done it? 
Masters of Mystery offer a game for every occasion, including Halloween or Christmas-themed murder mystery nights perfect for the holiday season. Seriously, this is such a fun thing to do. If you can't see your family and you want to do something fun with them, all you have to do is visit their website, check out their wide variety of games, and simply download the materials immediately after purchase. So liven up your lazy Saturday night, host a dinner party that your guests will always remember, or build better relationships with colleagues. Get 15% off your order by using code DARKPARTS15 when you visit mastersofmystery.com. That's code DARKPARTS15 for 15% off your order when you visit mastersofmystery.com. You guys are going to love this experience. Now back to the episode. It's said that when you're transformed into a Rougarou, you suck your victim's blood and feast upon their energy for up to a 101 days, and then the curse may be lifted. Also, if you're ever caught in the presence of a Rougarou, you aren't supposed to look the beast in the eyes, because the eyes are the windows into the soul, and if you do, the Rougarou can transfer its curse to you that way as well. Jeez. Yeah, so you definitely don't want to look it in the eyes. That's hard. And some people even believe that the Rougarou could simply be a genetic defect triggered by extreme anger or grief. People actually believe this. So if you get too mad, you turn into a Rougarou? I guess so, yeah. What? Yep. Of course, over the years, stories have evolved and different details come up, but the idea of the beast remains to this day. Now, let's talk about some real events that occurred regarding the fanged swamp monster and why southern Louisianans still believe that it exists. A native woman to the area explained that her grandfather told her an interesting story when she was a child. He said that when he was a young man, he was walking home alone at night when he heard a piercing howl rip through the dark sky. He had been walking along the swamp when he heard the loud noise and began to panic because he himself had heard the story of the Rougarou. He started to walk quicker, clenching the knife he always carried in his pocket and scanning the woods for movements. Then he heard the sounds of rustling in the bush behind him that seemed to get closer with every step he took. He could see the lights of his home up ahead in the distance, But all of a sudden, the rustling stopped, and all he could hear was the croaks of the bullfrogs in the swamp. He stopped and paused for a moment, thinking that he had only scared himself, and it was all in his head. But then, leaping from the bushes beside him, was a large beast-like figure with hideous eyes and snarling teeth. The man had only a second to react as he pulled his knife from his pocket and swiped at the creature before falling backwards to the ground. The man knew that he had struck the beast because he had heard it whimper, almost like the sound of an injured dog. He quickly stumbled to his feet to discover the naked body of an older man lying beneath him. But before the young man could say anything, the older man jumped to his feet, told the young man his name, holding his bleeding wound, and sprinted off into the darkness. The young man knew that he had survived a Rougarou attack. And how weird would that be if you're just walking home along the swamp, a beast jumps out, and you stab it, and then all of a sudden, it's like your neighbor? 
like, like your neighbor Jim, and he's just naked, just laying there in front of you. Like, how fucking weird would that be? You're like, uh, wait, what? What the fuck just happened? And there's no streetlights. It's just dark. You can't see anything. It's horrible. Another story that we came across has caused a lot of suspicion and debate throughout the years. A woman named Barbara Mullins was driving down a rural Louisiana road called Highway 12 when she noticed something lying on the side of the road. Barbara pulled over to get a better look, grabbing her camera as she exited her car. She quickly noticed that whatever it was, it was dead because it wasn't moving. She originally believed that the carcass she saw lying on the ground was possibly a dog. It was the size of a St. Bernard, covered in thick black and brown fur. But to her surprise, the creature's face looked more like that of an ape. She also noticed that its feet didn't really look like canine paws, but more like, again, ape feet. Which is so freaking weird. There ain't apes in Louisiana. Yeah, I know, that's the thing, is like, it, the face didn't look like a dog's face, and so she was really, really confused by this. So, the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries took a look at the photos Barbara snapped and wrote it off as being a Pomeranian. What? But how could a creature the size of a St. Bernard be a small dog breed like a Pomeranian? That doesn't make any sense. With an ape face? What? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Have seen a Pomeranian? And by the way, we'll post these photos on our social media accounts for you guys to see. That's at the Dark Parts Podcast on Instagram. And over on Twitter, at the Dark Parts Pod. Wait, wait, I need to see this. Here, I've got it right here. What? Yeah, right? It looks very strange. I can't, like, I, that's not a Pomeranian by any means. But I, I don't see a face at all. This is just like a pile of fur with legs. Yeah, you can't really definitively say this looks like what an it ass. is. I think that's the face, though. That, that <gasps> looks like the face. Oh my god. Okay, you know, oh my god, Jesus Christ. Oh my god, I cannot unsee that. You know when you're looking at something and you're like, what am I seeing? And then as soon as you said face, now I can see the face and I never want to look at that again. Go check out our Instagram. That's a fucking rougarou. It honestly, to me, it looks like, it looks like a monkey to me. It looks like like some sort of monkey. No. It, like, look at the face. You know what I mean? I, this is terrifying. Oh my God. That, I have never seen anything like that. <laughs> I know. It's pretty weird. The first, when I was researching this, I was like, no fucking way she's got photos of this. So yep. what I thought was the ass is the eye. Um, Just, <laughs> just so you guys know. Yeah, it's not a butthole. No, that's an eye and a nose. Oh my god. Okay, I can't get over that. That's so scary. Oh my god, everybody go look. <laughs> Holy shit. Very very creepy. Okay, I definitely understand why she pulled over to take photos now. That's insane. So, just like us, multiple people didn't believe the creature was the carcass of a small dog, including a man named Roy Young. Roy took it upon himself to investigate the photos of the creature. And he concluded that the animal in the photos had to be a Rougarou. Of course, I have no idea what makes Roy an expert in the field of cryptozoology, but it was an interesting story to share nonetheless. I gotta agree with Roy. That is a, that is a Rougarou. I have never seen anything like that. Very strange. It's, it's not quite as big as I would 
expect it to be. Like it does look like the size of a medium to large size dog. But I really want to know what you guys think this looks like. So check it out on our Instagram at the Dark Parts Podcast. And then on Twitter, we're at the Dark Parts Pod. Yes. And also you can drop us a line over on our Facebook page, the Dark Parts Podcast. Whether you believe in the scary legend or you think it's just a bunch of hoo-ha, the story is embedded in Cajun culture. In fact, every year in Huma, Louisiana, which is located in southern Louisiana in the Terrebonne Parish, the locals put on a two-day family-friendly festival called Rougarou Fest. Attendees can watch a parade, eat authentic Cajun food, and of course, hear tales of the infamous Rougarou. They serve blackberry dumplings, alligator tacos, and of course, crawfish. The festival has only been an event for about seven years, but the city plans to continue to put it on year after year. The creator of the event says it's a fun gathering for families, and he also says that the Rougarou isn't really a bright character, though, since he can't count past 12. And I really want to go to this. It sounds like so much fun. Yeah, I want to check out this festival for sure. If not for all the crazy Rougarou fun, but just simply for all the crazy and weird food that they have there. It's about an hour outside of New Orleans, and it was supposed to be this year, of course, but because of COVID, it had to be canceled. So I guess we'll see what happens in 2021, but I'm so down to go because I think that would be a really fun thing. I even saw that they have a Rougarou ball. And you can dress up in like swamp chic attire is what they said, which sounds really fun. But that's actually a separate event. There's the Rougarou Ball and then in October, right, Heath, is the festival? Yeah, the Rougarou Festival is in October and the ball is in July, which I think both events were canceled because of COVID this year. But um, depending on how things go, they'll probably do one in uh, 2021. So stay tuned for that. And if you live in Louisiana and you've been to Rougarou Fest or the Rougarou Ball, please let us know how fucking awesome it is. I think my dad might be a Rougarou. I think your dad's a fucking Rougarou. My dad's from France, and he looks like a like a rock and roll version of Lon Chaney Jr., like while he's in The Wolfman, like the original Wolfman. My dad looks like a, an older now rock and roll version of that. He does. He totally fucking does. He's got the long hair. He's got the beard. He's he's got that. He could be a werewolf. Well, in the 90s, my dad looked just like Lon Chaney Jr. did in Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Like in the opening scene is Lon Chaney Jr. And he opens up these blinds and it's just his face. And me and my siblings as kids would always be like, Daddy, every time that scene came up. And let's not even my dad. Yeah, exactly. And let's not even mention the fact that your dad is, you know, he's a Frenchman. You know what I mean? Like, the Frenchman. And he loves the, the wolf werewolf man. look. He's definitely a Rougarou. I think so too. The Rougarou is among the many folklore tales told, including the Honey Island Swamp Monster, which I'd love to cover at some point, the Devil Man of Algiers, and the Grunch. And if you're a Cajun person or have lived in southern Louisiana, please let us know if you've heard of the Rougarou and what the overall belief is. You know, we'd like to get your take on the legend as a local. Yeah, I think that Cajun culture is so interesting. Oh, I agree. Very, very interesting because they they have their own language, which is basically um, French mixed with Southern English, which is very, very strange when you think about it. But I honestly think there's some beauty to the way that they talk. 
And like the lifestyle, like they live by swamps. They eat all these different like gumbos and jambalayas and turtle soup and alligator tacos and all sorts of strange things that we think is strange. But honestly, it might be good. It is very specific. I mean, even just in the U.S., there's obviously so many different cultures throughout. But Cajun culture is really very different. It's very unique. It's very, very unique. There's this one movie that I'm thinking of where um, these U.S. Army soldiers had to train before they went to Vietnam. And so they like dumped uh, these soldiers down in southern Louisiana. And basically, they're uh, being followed by these Cajun people because the Cajun people don't like them there in their territory. And basically, it's almost like real war. And uh, it's a very strange movie. I can't remember what it's called. But that was like my first idea of what a Cajun person was like originally. And then come to find out they have all sorts of this really unique culture. I'd love to know more about Cajun culture. We got to get you to Louisiana. I know. Seriously, we got to go. Have you been? I forget. I have not. Okay. I only went to New Orleans one time and I, I feel like the way, like the pedestal I put it on feels like I've been there so many times more. But we got we to gotta go sometime, hopefully next year for a Rougarou Fest. Oh, yeah, definitely. Got to hit New Orleans, got to drink a beer in the streets. And of course, got to go to New Orleans and check out the French Quarter. Yes, I, I stayed in the French Quarter. That was where I went. And I, I know like locals are probably like, oh, my God, touristy. <laughs> but um, I, I really enjoyed walking down Royal Street. There's a lot of really beautiful art galleries. And I was there on this weekend. I can't remember what it was, but it was a weekend where they had all these art galleries that were open late and everyone was serving wine and you could just walk from one gallery to the next with your wine. And it was so fun. Yeah, from all of the pictures and videos that I've seen of New Orleans and especially the French Quarter, it looks absolutely stunning. Like, especially there's that one video where it's like raining and there's lightning uh, oh, striking such everywhere. A good video. Yeah, that video, and then there's like people playing jazz music on the street. Just looks amazing, and I really got to get myself to Louisiana. So, strangers, what did we learn today? We learned that French people were not messing around when it came to werewolves. And if you're ever accused of being one, you really shouldn't admit it, because there's a 100% chance that you're going to be executed. We also learned that, sure, the Rougarou is large, violent, and scary. But he's also a fluffy dumbass that literally can't count. <laughs> so if you're caught in a bad way with one of those wolf-headed morons, just make sure you've got more than 12 pennies in your pocket, and you should be good. And lastly, we learned that if you're Catholic, you should always follow the rules of Lent. Or, a witch might cast a spell on you, turning you into a swamp-dwelling baby-eater whose only escape is I-fucking-a-stranger or being cut with a knife by your neighbor Jim Bob and waking up buck naked in front of him. Oh my god. Today's horror tip comes to you from the film Silver Bullet. If you believe that there's a possibility that your little town is being threatened by ravenous werewolves, it's best that you don't gather all the townies and go hunting for the beast. Because chances are, you and the townies will end up looking like pulled pork. The best thing you can do is recruit your alcoholic uncle. Ode to Gary Busey. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of The Dark Parts. 
And next week, we'll have an all-new episode for you guys to check out. Yeah, that, that one will come out on Thanksgiving. So if you're not in the U.S., then it won't make a difference to you. And if you are in the U.S., then if you're lonely, we got you. Yeah, eat a bunch of food and listen to a creepy tale. That sounds amazing. We also have merch available in our shop. Head over to thedarkparts.com and click the shop tab. We've got some sweatshirts and some other cool shit there for you. I also did end up making a Terrible Tilly shirt with Robert Pattinson in the top of the lighthouse. So if you listened to last week's episode and you felt like you just needed that shirt, I made it. It's up. Also, if you'd like us to make a Rougarou shirt, (laughs) we could probably do that as well. Let's just make a shirt for every episode. I know. Wouldn't that be awesome? I actually might make a Rougarou shirt. You totally should. You guys will find out next week on The Dark Parts. (laughs) Also, if you guys like the show, please share it or leave us a review. It really helps us out. And we love to hear from you guys. All right, strangers. We'll see you next time. In The Dark Parts. (laughs) 